You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. All right, everyone, welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. I'm your host, Ty Deemer, and we've got an exciting show for you today, a unique guest. We have Carla Paula Castro on the show. She is the CEO at Cycle CPA, and she specializes in working with landscaped and green industry businesses, Half Sound Books. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ty. Yeah, absolutely. So Carla, we like to start off every episode of the show with the same question to our audience. And it'll be interesting to hear your point on this because you're so focused on the numbers side of things with these businesses. But in your experience working with the green industry and landscaping companies, what do you feel like are the top two to three common things or threads in successful businesses that you work with? Yeah, that's a great question, Ty. So in terms of like successful uh, profitability wise, if you want to take it there, I would say that the most successful companies that have a high profitability, which is the ultimate goal of of having Mm -hmm. a business, right, would be that they're very in tune with their overhead expenses. So they have a tight budget on certain line items within the overhead, especially overhead salaries. So that includes managers, sales, admin, owner salaries, and they have a really good uh, staffing budget and projection on that. I would say that's the major pain point for a lot of companies that are not profitable or not as profitable and not meeting that benchmark. So it's important not to hire ahead of time to a certain extent, because I feel like that's how they got into that situation is yeah. just anticipating this growth and maybe not having as efficient business practices and hiring ahead of time. So really keep a close pulse on overhead salaries. Another thing that goes in line with that is having your accounting and bookkeeping in place. So Starting off with the foundation, you know, having a, a software like QuickBooks and a lot of the companies do have landscape management softwares, you know, such as, you know, single ops, but it's important to have an accounting software as well and keeping up with that on a monthly basis. And so you're, you're wanting to pull up your profit and loss at least once a month, if not weekly, if you're, you're an established business. And what this helps you do is keep track of key performance indicators, such as like gross profit and net income, which is important. And so a lot of the successful companies have had this in place and have streamlined practices in place to keep track of their accounting and bookkeeping. Yeah, that's all great stuff. And it's pretty in line with what we hear a lot of our customers using our reporting systems for to keep on track of that. We've had a guest on the podcast that that's one of the things that they do daily is look at profit and loss and check it just because they're hypersensitive about it. I would love, we're going to be able to dive into all of that later on the show. I'd love to hear from you, like being green industry specific is something that obviously speaks to a lot of our audience. People want solutions made for their business. And the truth is, landscape and tree care and lawn care companies operate differently than a lot of even other out like out like 
other service businesses. So how did you kind of get to the point where you were like, no, that's who our, our clientele is? How did you end up serving the green industry? When I first started off my accounting career, I, I did so at a local CPA firm. So we were your traditional mom and pop CPA firm. I was a staff accountant there and we served everybody under the sun. Mm-hmm. So I would go from working with bakeries to restaurants to contractors. And because of that, you could imagine we weren't really good at providing specific advice to anyone really mm-hmm. because we weren't efficient in that. But with the de- demographic that I was in, we had a lot of landscapers and construction workers there. And I became exposed to the same reoccurring issue, not knowing the financials, having issues with job costing and pricing and you know, not really keeping a pulse on the financial side. And so I became passionate about helping those uh, companies. And so after that, I branched out and I um, worked at one of the largest CPA firms. And then after that, decided to start Cycle CPA and knew that I wanted to focus in on this industry because I saw that um, the need for it, right? And I became passionate about helping those specific that specific market there. Yeah, that's really cool. From your perspective, what do you feel like the common state of accounting needs in the space are? How are most people before they start working with someone like you handling all of their accounting needs? Is it just leveraging a tool like QuickBooks or is it sometimes not even that? Like, What do you feel like the landscape of this market looks like? Yeah, I would say for businesses just starting out or businesses that have been operating for a couple of years, when they switch over to us, they they normally don't have a QuickBooks account and have been tracking expenses maybe on an Excel sheet or or you know paper and pen, other methods that are not as not accurate um, to put it lightly. And so, you know, with those clients, we get them started on QuickBooks, established chart of accounts, making sure that they have a lot of these clients don't have their assets on the books. So trucks, mowers, trailers, things of that nature, they've been losing out on money when it comes to tax season because they don't claim those items or they don't know how to. So that's how that looks like. And then if they do have a QuickBooks, it hasn't been um, kept up with. Mm -hmm. So if they were to pull a profit and loss or a balance sheet or any other financial report, it's not accurate because they haven't been keeping up with that. And then for the larger size companies or more established businesses, they may already have like an in-house bookkeeper or something like that, keeping up with, you know, the daily bookkeeping and operation side of that. Mm -hmm. But then they don't have like an advisor looking over their books and really interpreting what these items mean in order to become more profitable or more productive and so on. Got it. So in terms of your clientele, is there like a specific part of the market that feel or like a certain size business that you feel like makes a ton of sense for your team to service? Or is it really you can kind of serve anyone under the sun? Yeah, so we can really help anybody, you know, it's up to a certain point, it, it, you may want to keep bookkeeping in house just because maybe you're just starting off, you're unsure Mm -hmm. if you're going to stay within the industry. But I always say, you know, we help businesses anywhere from just, you know, starting off, you know, 300,000 a year in revenue about to all the way to 15 million. So. Yeah. 
Cool. That's really helpful context. So let's dive into some of the topical conversations we have slated for today. One of the first ones I want to go over through you is just tax season. It's right around the corner. A lot of the people listening to the show have probably been still focused on finishing out this past busy season. It seems like this year with some of the labor issues, it's like everyone's just working a little bit later into the year than in years past. They had great 2020s after COVID, sold even more work than 2020 and are doing more work with less people. So we're probably in a situation where a lot of people are going to look up and be like, holy cow. It's tax season. What do we do? And I guess from your perspective, we can tackle this topic so many different ways. But when you're working with green industry companies this time of year, what are some of the things you're talking through with them to make that you know process of tax season a little bit smoother? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we do anything from bookkeeping all the way to CFO services. So our strategy is to keep your books up to date on a month to month basis. That way you're not, you know, kind of at the end of the year scrambling or wanting to look at what your numbers are at. But a a lot of people are in that, are in that situation, which is fine because they, again, like you said, been busy with the busy season and that's extended. And so what we do is again, get their bookkeeping and accounting up to date. So what that means is making sure their QuickBooks is cleaned up, making sure all of their expenses are categorized, their accounts are reconciled, we're not missing anything, sales are being posted, making sure their balance sheet looks good. Again, rolling back to those assets, you know, mowers, trucks, trailers, all of their loans have been reconciled. A lot of a lot of these guys have loans that have interest associated to them, making sure that that's being posted so that they get the tax benefit on that. And then they have that peace of mind that now they have their financials in order so that they can go and prepare their taxes. Mm -hmm. What types of tax breaks are just people not aware of? um, Typically, (laughs) I feel like there's probably a lot out there that just people don't realize that they have that option. Yeah, no, that's true. So one of the major ones are fuel is a fuel tax credit, especially Mm -hmm. for this industry. So there's a federal tax on on fuel that you know pays for certain infrastructure within the country and items like that but there are certain types of tax uses for the fuel tax that are exempt so for example off-road equipment mm-hmm. so that's your mowers your equipment things of that nature that you're purchasing fuel for but not for your vehicle right mm-hmm. so that expense item you can get a credit for that for the sales tax imposed on that side of the fuel. So that's one major thing. And then another one would be, I don't, I don't see people taking advantage of the interest expense you're paying on your loans. You, you may think like, of course, everybody's doing it. And, and really when we get books, loan interest is not being booked. So that's a major one. And then just making sure that all of your assets are on the books, like I said, again, because that gives you depreciation expense within your business. Okay. Yeah, those are two really good tips. And then I guess when someone's looking at you know profit and loss from a whole year, they might be sitting there going, what are some ways that I could cut costs in my landscaping business, unnecessary costs? Do yeah. you have any, like when they're going through that process, what are some like maybe key ways they can do that efficiently as they look at a year as a whole? Yeah, no, for sure. So I'll go through what we do with our clients. So 
we pull up a profit and loss. So if we were doing this today, we would pull up profit and loss from January through November, because mm-hmm. that's the last um, month that has ended. And you, you have a an option to put it as a percentage of, of revenue. And then, so if you look at your, your overhead costs, what we do is we benchmark them against other green industry businesses. Mm-hmm. So again, for example, if we're looking at overhead salaries, the average is 10% of revenue. So if we see somebody's at 15%, we're, we know that 5%, you know, they're over by 5%. So then we start breaking it down by, okay, whose salaries are this? Is there a way to maybe cross train these employees that are in the overhead section, maybe mm-hmm. they can do some direct field labor work or some other aspect of it, or maybe they can train as part of their, and then that would be moved up to direct costs or something like that. And just trying to get creative. Another thing is office supplies. These little items that I'm, I'm referring to, if you can tackle like half a percentage point of all of these items, it comes out to a big percentage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my major you know, advice that I would give is even if you're looking at your overhead expense items is tackle it one by one and see what you can you can cut down because sometimes we're paying for subscriptions, software subscriptions, or just any other items that we're subscribed to that we're not even using. And, you know, just click into that line item and see, am I still using this Adobe product or whatever it is, right? And let me cancel that subscription. Another big uh, line item other than than that, I would say would be merchant fees. Mm -hmm. Merchant fees make up a large percentage of your revenue, I typically see 3%, which is a lot. And I do recommend looking into other merchants. I know bill.com is a really good one for ACH. It may not work for your business, but bill.com has a low charge on that. But another thing that you want to think about is, okay, like, do I keep my current merchant because maybe it's part of my software that I'm using to invoice out of, or mm-hmm. maybe this is efficient. So maybe you see it as a large percentage points, but if you were to switch over to another merchant, maybe the inefficiencies would um, outweigh the savings, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a really interesting conversation and one we're definitely attuned with because people can get paid within single ops and we're actually yeah. like... It's interesting to hear the different philosophies behind it because people can now pay for services if they're using single ops via ACH or credit card. And obviously the fees on ACH are way less. And you'll see what a lot of people are doing within single ops is they're putting, they're basically incentivizing their customers to pay via ACH because they're putting, they have the option to put the credit card fee on the customer, but then say you can pay us ACH and it's going to cost way less. Um, it's, it's one of those options. Do you see a lot of people pushing credit card fees onto customers or like leveraging that type of option or is that not necessarily a thing? People don't like to do that because it kind of turns off the customer. Also, some yeah. states you cannot do that. Yeah, um, and so in those situations, I say, well, I think it's awesome that single ops has that actually has that ability to do that because a lot of a lot of the other CRMs don't even give you that option. So even if you wanted to give somebody the option. So that's great. And then another thing would be if you know you're unable to do it, I would say just build it in 
as part of the fee and kind of build it into your estimate without like clearly saying, okay, this is the credit card fee kind of a thing. But yeah, I mean, if if you have like single ops, if they have that choice and it's already within the system, it wouldn't make sense to go to another merchant because now you're being inefficient. So mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's a huge like pain point I hear with people in the industry is like everyone wants to be able to accept digital digital payments. It's how people pay for things nowadays. It's just kind of what's expected, but credit card fees can really just eat at your bottom line. And it's just frustrating. People don't, it is. People don't like looking at it. It makes it bad. I know. Um, yeah. It could be your policy too. It could be it could be your company's policy policy to say, hey, we don't take credit cards. We mm-hmm. we only take ACH, you know? Yeah. I like the things that I've seen work really well, and we don't have to spend too much time on this is just transparency with the customer. Like make yeah. it very clear, like, hey, we really do prefer for you to pay this way, just because most people like ACH is everyone's familiar with it now, but it's not mm-hmm. like a shocking thing. So it can be like a really easy conversation for you to have. Of course. Well, that's all really helpful. I Before we kind of move like away from tax season, I think one of the things that I want to kind of touch on is just for someone that feels like overwhelmed going into this next tax season, is there something, because I agree with your point earlier, tax season is way easier if you've been keeping up with this stuff month to month and you're not like scrambling at the end, but maybe if there's someone listening that feels like they're scrambling, is there anything they can do or at least maybe for next year that kind of will help them other than just like being more structured with it or how could they lay a good foundation over the next couple of months moving forward? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I would say the first thing you need to do is is sign up for an accounting software like QuickBooks Online or Xero. Look into your options for that. Mm-hmm. Because what the software does, it, it'll download all of your transactions that you're making on a daily basis. So um, you know, if you're you're going to, you know, Home Depot one day and and the next, you know, hour you're at a gas station, these softwares will download all of these expenses if mm-hmm. you're using the business credit card, debit card, things of that nature. So definitely sign up for the software and download all of your transactions. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, start categorizing those transactions on a daily basis. Because if you do it on a daily basis, depending on how many years you've been in business, you probably won't have as many transactions if if you let it pile up, you know, for for a couple of months there, and then Mm -hmm. it can kind of be overwhelming at that point. But even if you take, you know, five to 10 minutes a day to just categorize your transactions, and it's easy for you to do because it's your business, you go you know that you went to fuel and you purchased equipment for fuel and you just categorize it as such. And another thing that you can do if you don't want to invest in in a software subscription is maybe a lot of banks have exporting to Excel. So you can export your transactions to Excel. And um, a lot of my clients, before they come on board, they've been categorizing it that way, maybe having a color code for fuel and such. So you can do that once a month. But, you know, if, if you don't have time for any of those things, I would say definitely hire a professional to just take it over and get you caught up, up to date. Cool. 
Yeah, that's really helpful. So transitioning our conversation to the next topic is the other thing that kind of takes place around this year is companies are thinking through, okay, what's our budget for next year? How do we plan for next year? And I think we've talked about budgeting in a few ways over this past episode of like how to plan for proper growth, like all those different things. But I think focusing on more of how account, like solid accounting principles can help you budget for next year. What are some of the things that like having sound books, having accurate numbers and data to work with, how, how can that help drive business decisions? Oh yeah, no, for sure. If you, if you have a solid books and solid numbers, again, bringing it back to a percentage of revenue, then then you're able to to even build your budget because if mm-hmm. if you didn't have these numbers you wouldn't know okay how much on average do I spend on advertising is it 5% or do I spend 10% you wouldn't know those items mm-hmm. so having solid books will give you that insight on okay on average usually my labor cost is 30% of revenue so mm-hmm. if my goal for next year is to increase revenue by uh, 15%. And this is my month to month revenue that I'm projecting. Everything builds off of revenue. So if you know these expense items, right, your direct costs and your overhead costs, and you know what they typically are as a percentage of revenue, then you could project your field cost for the next year because you know that it's 30% of your revenue. Mm-hmm. So that's how that helps. And then with your overhead items, there, there are items that are fixed. Um, more fixed than a percentage of revenue. So for example, advertising is always going to be a variable percentage of revenue because if you're doing advertising correctly, your advertising will increase as your revenue is increasing. Mm -hmm. So that you can leave it that way. But then there are certain things that stay stagnant, for example, rent, unless you're looking to move into a different um, location Mm -hmm. or anything like that, that should be a clear line item, 5,000 a month or whatever telephone you know uh, also stays consistent utilities usually stay consistent so these are your fixed costs and then your variable costs are your material which again materials as a percentage of revenue labor as a percentage of revenue equipment advertising and things of that nature again if you have solid numbers you could just pull this profit and loss up as a percentage of revenue and mm-hmm. and um, forecast for next for next year. Yeah. And when you're like going through those numbers with your client, you mentioned like some of your services are more just financially focused, how to hit revenue goals. Like how do you, when you're sitting down with your clients and you're projecting growth year over year, which most of these businesses want to grow each Mm -hmm. year, they not many people in the industry like staying stagnant. How do these numbers help you decide what accurate growth goals are for your clients? That's a good, that's a good question. And I like that question because it has to be um, realistic. And if we have solid numbers for the past year or two years, I say, okay, for example, right now, we're looking at 2020 numbers and 2021. Mm-hmm. And first, the business owner would say, I, well, I want to grow 2022 by 15%, let's say, right? But if from 2020 to 2021, they only grew at to me, it's like, okay, 15% sounds amazing. And of course, I'm I'm behind you. I'm with you on that. But what is the growth strategy? Are Mm -hmm. we going to increase advertising? 
Are we going to add another salesperson on? And with those come costs, Mm -hmm. right? Salary, trucks, uh, more equipment, more machinery. So this is when our forecast comes into play and our budget comes into play because it it's like, okay, you're going to have 15% more growth. That means more revenue. That means more field labor, more insurance costs. Mm-hmm. So we put that scenario in and see if it's feasible. Yeah. It Are you going to get a, pers- a return on investment on that? And is it feasible to have an advertising budget of maybe, you know, double what you have right now to be able to encourage this, this growth? And if, all of those boxes are checked, then it's a feasible, realistic goal. From Mm -hmm. there, we move on to, okay, we can make this a goal. We move on to the production side. Mm -hmm. So, okay, how many budgeted uh, direct labor hours are we going to, do we need for next year um, on a month-to-month basis to be able to hit these goals? Mm -hmm. And so what that gives us is, okay, when we're looking at budget versus actuals each month, we can then see, okay, was this a production issue if we did not hit our goal or was it a sales issue? Mm-hmm. And so that's how we go from, okay, is this, we're establishing it all the way from keeping everybody accountable to being able to um, improve as we yeah. go along. No, that process makes a ton of sense. I really like that. And it's helpful just to understand like, I do think the industry kind of gets caught up in just having a number, right? And it's like, all right, this this is the percentage point that we want to grow this year. But you do kind of have to work backwards and use what like frame of reference you have. It can't just be like a we grew five percent this year, but we're just going to work extra hard to get up to fifteen this year. Yeah. Like, I do think that's how a lot of people think about it sometimes. It's true. It's true, and it's great to think that way. I, I don't want to discourage anybody to. I think it's great to have these goals. It just it's better to be conservative because then if you don't hit your budget, it could have major cash flow issues. Yeah, that's a good point. One of the things that I wanted to talk about too while we have you is we've heard across the industry that just material costs over the last six months have really started to impact businesses in the space, just with supply chain issues that have arose. The cost of things are really going up to the roof. Have you heard similar things with your clients and kind of what's been your like advice to them in regards to those material costs increasing? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mentioned before, we do benchmarking. So we look at every single line item to see how the company is doing. And, and the benchmark that have been has been off this year would be one of them being materials. It's always um, what I've seen from our clients. It's, it's higher than where it should be at as a percentage of income. And again, the reason for that being um, because of a lot of shortages and delays and our major recommendation is to um, buy in bulk when mm-hmm. it does, you know, when, when you do see that opportunity, buy in bulk, um, although it won't look as pretty on your profit and loss statement or um, if your cash basis, I mean, during that time frame, but at least, you know, you have that peace of mind that you do have that stock mm-hmm. um, and also build um, relationships with your vendors or other outside vendors mm-hmm. as well. Um, I feel like, you know, building these relationships and having a close relationship with your vendors, they'll 
um, most likely think of you when things come in stock and or looking for other relationships outside of that could expose you to other alternatives. Um, again, a lot of this is just getting creative with what we have right now. Yeah, it makes sense. Is there a part of you that talks through like with material cost rising, communicating to your clients that price increases for services probably need to increase as well? Or what's kind of your been, approach been and around conversations with your clients about price increases? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Ty. So, you know, sometimes the, the, the number one answer is always, you know, let's increase pricing, but, and, and you have to really be strategic about why you're increasing pricing. So just this year, inflation has increased very high, you know, since the 1990s. So the increase is 6%. So, I mean, prices have to increase at least 6% for you to stay ahead of inflation because usually inflation is about 2 to 3%. This year, it's 6%. So that's the first thing. So that means your material costs went up, labor expenses went up. And it's not just for this industry, it's for every industry, at least increasing your prices by 6% to keep up with inflation. And another thing when looking into, and and so that should cover, you know, increases in materials and labor, right? And so another thing to look into when you're trying to see if if you should increase pricing or not is uh, calculate your revenue per hour per employee. Because if you calculate that, um, and you see that that revenue per hour per employee has been generating 3% profit for your company, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you want to be at 10%, then you know that your revenue per employee per hour needs to increase in that amount so that you can get to the 10%, right? Yeah. So look at that. I would say there's a lot of moving pieces. It's not just one answer because... You need to think about, okay, maybe I'm not as efficient in labor. So that's why my revenue per hour per employee is high. Mm -hmm. Maybe my labor to revenue is 40%, which is high, right? And maybe I need to bring that down to 37%, but my ultimate goal is 35. So I'm not going to increase for that because my employees are being inefficient. I'm going to take that into account as well, but also increase it at this price. So being conservative and, okay, these are the efficiencies I'm going to put in place. This is the percentage that that will save me. Okay, what is the difference between that and my profitability goal and increase it by that amount? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? No, it does for sure. And I think like the point that you bring up is really fair. It seems to me like... There's a, a few schools of thought on price increases. There's the people that say year after year, we're going to raise prices 3% to match inflation. Yeah. Like I, I've heard of companies doing it that route. Yeah. This year's a little different where I think some people are viewing it as opportunistic isn't the right word, but like if there was in any a time of year to make a more aggressive price increase with an explanation around what's going on in the space, they could communicate that to their clients in a little bit better of a way. And then there's kind of the more approach that you're talking towards, which I think if you have the data and the accurate numbers, your approach makes a ton of sense. I do sometimes wonder how many businesses truly have like that much of a belief in their numbers sometimes. So, um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, it's the balance. Um, so we're kind of towards the back end of our conversation. And I want to ask you 
really, it's kind of an open-ended question, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Like, in your opinion, what do you feel like is one of the biggest mistakes people in the green industry make around their numbers and their books when you when you interact with them for the first time? Yeah, it's not having their numbers in place um, and not having their profit and loss and balance sheet to look at because a lot of these companies are making decisions based off of their checking account. What's in, okay, what's my balance today? It's high, I'm going to invest in this or Mm -hmm. um, their gut feeling. Yeah. And those two items are usually wrong, right? Um, (laughs) Usually, and it might lead you, and it might be right, right? But it, it, it may lead you into opportunities that you can't take in the future, or it could be detrimental to cash flow. And so mm-hmm. we we do a lot of the profit and loss benchmarking. So making sure that you're in line, right? And so if someone wants to, you know, add on another, oh, you know, administrative staff, they kind of know that, oh, should I do this or not? I'm already at the benchmark for this, right? Mm-hmm. And and we leverage the profit and loss that way. But another understated financial report is your balance sheet. So your balance sheet, um, we go over with our clients, we, we calculate key performance indicators off of your balance sheet. We're able to tell you things like, okay, it looks like your your equipment is getting outdated. Your labor expense keeps increasing. Let's, you know, I think it's time for updated machinery and equipment because your field labor is not being as productive. See, that's an informed decision. And another thing is like the balance sheet tells you if you're over leveraged, like do you have a lot of debt? Maybe you can't take on more debt. We go over the cash flow statement. What is your cash flow standing at? What is your average amount of uh, money that you need in your bank to be able to run um, your operation, uh, shield you from things like, you know, COVID or shutdown in the future, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. Um, also, your balance sheet tells you if you're being uh, productive with your assets. So are your assets working for you or is it just kind of just standing there and taking up space kind of a thing or... Um, you know, your, your field labor productivity. So things like that, that's what we, we take the profit and loss and balance sheet and we analyze it to be able to communicate things like that. And a lot of the business owners are not calculating these key performance indicators, looking at these metrics and um, not making decisions off of those financial mm-hmm. reports. And that's when they find themselves in trouble. Yeah, that's a completely fair answer. That's really helpful. You know, wrapping up our conversation, I always like to ask guests to kind of share what they're excited about or what they're looking forward to. Maybe for you, it's the upcoming tax season because <laughs> now that means you're going to be busy. But I am curious, like with what you're, you and your team's doing at Cycle CPA, what are like what what excites you most right now? Yeah. Now, what excites we take more of the managerial accounting approach, which you probably, you know, kept caught on to to now. We are more than just data entry, bookkeepers, accountants. You know, of course we're we're doing that accurately and, and do what accountants, you know, do, but my team really focuses on okay, giving that extra value, such as mm-hmm. these key performance indicators, benchmarking and all of these items. And so what I'm excited about is to keep growing on that. Yeah. And 
keep growing the knowledge base and training the other landscaping accountants on on our team to really be able to help our our clients and in this space in other ways as well. And so that's really what gets me excited is is providing value and each year adding on whether it be like other services or maybe other knowledge bases that really help this industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Carla, if someone's listening to this episode and maybe hadn't heard Cycle CPA before, how could they get into contact with you or someone from their team to kind of just learn more about uh, your services and how with taxis around the corner, it's probably an issue that everybody's doing that. How, how could they get in touch with you or your team? Yeah, you can visit our website. It's cyclecpa.com, C-Y-C-L-E-C-P-A.com. Or you can direct message us at our in our Facebook group called Landscaping Accountant. Uh, we get back to people really quick on direct message or give us a call as well. Awesome. Well, Carla, I really enjoyed our episode today. I feel like people are going to be able to walk away with just kind of a fresh perspective on how to think about tax season and budget planning and price increases and all of kind of the nitty gritty topics that every business needs to be caring about. Maybe not what they always gravitate towards, but what really, really does help build thriving businesses. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. If you got some value out of this episode, drop us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. And don't forget to become a pro member of the podcast at singleops.com slash podcast. As a pro member, you'll get notified of each new episode, access to exclusive bonus content, and be entered in to win some great prizes. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week. Thank you.